Hey, welcome to another episode of Full Body Fuck Yes. This is a podcast that looks into who we get to become in the process of embodying our dreams. This show, I hope, feels like a bikini wax of the soul for you. I want you to be able to release old stories that limit us. I want to help you to write new chapters that feel authentic because it is time to take up more room on the page of your life, right? Yes. Okay. There's just some writers, by the way, who, when you read them, it feels like they ripped the words from your mouth, right? Like you're like, I couldn't have said this better myself. And that's what Jamie Varon does. She's garnered more than a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. She's been featured by fortune and CNN and was a senior writer for, I don't know, a little thing called thought catalog, where she had 21 million people reading her work. She thought a book deal then would be no problem, right? until every single door closed in her face. Like, I am descending. I was like, hello, darkness, my old friend. And then one post, one post, y'all, changed her entire life. What is so interesting about that post was it was the culmination of me being like, fuck no this is not how it's gonna go for me the editors were saying like people aren't ready for this they don't or they don't think like this they don't want this they don't want contentment you know they want rachel hollis more and more and more you're made for more strive 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 life you know i am not girl wash your face i was just like wow i don't fit in And pre-sales of her brand new book, Radically Content, has already become a bestseller. And the book isn't even officially out until April of next year. I know. Today, Jamie and I talk about how to find your center again, your truth, in the middle of a world that wants to make you and me and her more commercial, palatable, and frankly, ask us to dumb down our work for women, which we give a giant fuck no to. This conversation is nothing short of spectacular because that's who Jamie is. Enjoy. So we were just saying, Jamie, that you have been carrying this book baby around. There are lots of ways to be a mother, I like to say. And one of them is book babies. You said you've been carrying this in the womb for how long? Would you say? A couple decades, for sure. Something has been trying to come out and then... I mean, especially this book baby that I have now, this book baby was rejected. Mm. So it tried to come out and then all the powers that be were like, no, we don't want this from you. And I was like, okay, cool. I mean, did you die a little inside? At oh, first? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When did, when did you first get rejected? So the big rejections were summer 2019 worked on this book proposal, had the reputable agent, everything was lined up, you know, it was supposed to, it was supposed to happen and work. And, you know, you have this agent that's said the proposal's ready. Let's go for it. Let's do it. Um, you know, had spent all the time building my platform, everything. And it was actually like looking back, it was almost comical that every single editor was like, no, No, like he didn't even want to get on the phone with me. You know, it wasn't even like, we kind of like this, but just straight up, no. And I was like, 
well, that, uh, that was not a reality that I thought was going to happen. Like I thought, okay, maybe I was like, it only takes one, you know, maybe I'll get one. You know. <laughs> well, also I, I screenshotted this because I understand why you would say that because in case you're living under a rock and haven't seen Jamie's work yet, there's a couple different things about Jamie that are amazing, but let's just rewind for a hot second in the hot tub time machine here in 2009. You were on CNN Live. You're featured in Fortune for creating a viral website. You built a app that was downloaded over 100,000 times in the first week. Uh, you're also, you were the editorial advocate and senior writer for, I don't know, Thought Catalog, where you had 21 million people. 21 million people. You did not hear that wrong, y'all. Read her shit in just one year. So when this incredible, talented, amazing writer goes, I think I'll get one person. I would think you would get one person, Jamie Varon. I mean, I think you yeah. would get one. At the time I was like, I am descending. And I was like, hello, darkness, my old friend. Hello, darkness. I was like, here we go. Like yeah. me in a bottle, put me back in. Um, I was not Okay. Like, I mean, to be, just to be completely honest, I was not, and I, and at that point I was like in my feelings, I was in my worth. I wasn't like, I wasn't in a bad place, like a quote unquote bad place in terms of all the places I had been in the past. I felt like I was at my, at a good place to be doing this yeah. in therapy, all the things. And, um, I descended for sure. That was a real hard couple of weeks. Like it was. I don't think I realized how much it had affected me until I came out of it. And then it really started to come into focus for me that I kind of knew this was going to happen in some way because I felt so much anxiety about it, you know, and I recognized it was in that moment that I recognized, like once I was kind of coming out of this, I was like, next time I do this process, if whatever it is, I don't want to feel that way again. Like I want to be in my power, in my worth so much that I'm like, I trust that whoever collaborator, whoever is coming for this will come. And if not, it's okay. Like, I don't want to be, I felt like I had put everything on that. And then it was this crushing blow. And actually that was a very good thing that I went through because it ended up me later breaking up with this agent, recognizing that like, also for the writers out there who yep. love, you know, who want to know about agents and everything, definitely go with the person that does not make you feel bad about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> hot yeah. tip. Like if this person makes you feel like the industry is so hard and it's going to be so hard for you and it's, it's hard to get a foot in and all this stuff. And it makes you feel like you think you're at line maybe 20. And actually they think you're at line like negative 385. And you're like, cool. Um, that's not good. You know, like that's yeah. not okay. You need someone that's going to advocate on your behalf. And I just didn't get that. Like I really didn't get that. And I was like, so this person is going out into the world to tell people about me as my advocate and isn't even at my energy level. Like right. I don't think was selling me at the level that I could like sell myself for sure. So that all led to a much better 
situation. And then of course, as things happen, let go of this agent only to get a magical email in my inbox. This is so atypical. Um, a publisher coming to me and saying, are you working on a book? We want to publish literally anything that you will do. And got on a Zoom with her. She's like... And she wasn't like an editor. She's the publisher of four imprints at this global publishing company, Quarto. And she was just like, what book do you want to do? Because we'll publish it. Like your writing's amazing. We don't even need a proposal. Don't do anything. Like I've seen your work. It's astonishing. So let's do this. And I was like, and this was early 2021. And I was like, okay. And that was so not the way that I thought it was going to go. And then it just, and then it worked out even better because I didn't, you know, I, I never wanted someone to micromanage me. And she was like, this publisher she was like, you can give me an outline. Like I need to pay you part of your advance. So you have to give me an outline. But like, please do not restrict yourself based on this outline. Write whatever you want. Like you have 208 pages. Just write what you want. I mean, that is a golden ticket. But here's what I love about this. So much for you and so much for, for everyone that's listening. Um, it's it's this, gosh, it's been so hard for so long in all of our lives, right? And whether or not we realize it, we might be addicted to the struggle and addicted to the pain because it's familiar, because it's all we ever know. And we've been sold, as I like to say, I know it's not a Jamie Varen word, but for me, it's a bag of dicks, okay? (laughs) That we were sold that we have to earn happiness, that we have to earn success, that it has to be difficult. We buy into this story. And the moment that we create space in our lives and space on the page to rewrite our life, we begin to say, you know what? I can learn through ease. I can learn through joy. This doesn't have to be hard. And I, I refuse to create under those conditions in the future. I've, I watched, I've watched you do it. And and I'm doing it too, which is part of why I wanted you on the show because it's it's so much the show, the title, which is I know a little edgy for some people, but what I mean by a full body fuck yes, Jamie, is that we've lived so long in fuck no. We've lived so long in fuck no. And we think, and this is what I I, I think I'm hearing from you, is that we think that whatever it is, book, show, business money, relationship, anything external will somehow validate our existence or bring us greater joy or happiness. And the thing is, as leaders, the gift for us is not our work. That work is literally a gift to be shared with the world. Our gift is who we become in the process. And that's why I resonate so deeply with your writing because I'm, and we're gonna talk about it, about that one post that changed your life, changed the trajectory of your book it really changed mine um, as well. And I just want to thank you because I was like, that's it. She just hyperlinked in one post exactly 10 years of my journey feels like you encapsulated it in one fucking post. Well, thank you for going there. I mean, what is so interesting about that post was 
it was the culmination of me being like, fuck, no, this is not how it's going to go for me. Like, because it was around the same time that I let go of the agent. So I was like, I don't, I don't deserve this. Like, I mean, for whatever reason, I'm not saying she was wrong or anything. It was just, you know, we're not a good fit. Like how we interact together is not good. Like I need someone who's a lot more encouraging and (laughs) at my level. And so she had also done the thing of like, make your posts more shareable. I don't know if people really want to read long posts. And I had always been like, well, I mean, I need to establish myself as a writer. Like why be on Instagram if I'm going to give people too pithy of posts and then they're not, they're not going to like, that's not going to translate into them wanting to know more about me or read or even be like, what's a book about that she's going to write if she's just writing little like one-liners. So, but I had followed it thinking that was what you do with that post. This was the culmination of me going, fuck this, fuck that. I'm going to just do what I want to do and write what I want to write. And my thinking on that, because there is this post that always goes around in the context of it. It's about someone who has like a quote unquote, more foreign name that's harder for people to pronounce. And they say like, use your full name, let them choke. And I have like adopted that idea of let them choke is in a very positive way. And so that post, I wrote it and it was so long. I had to change the format of my posts, everything. I had to change the font because I was like, this doesn't fit. And I changed this whole thing. And I just thought to myself when I posted it, I was like, let them choke. And then it freaking blew up. And I was like, oh dear, that is hilarious. Like I actually found it so funny. I was like, of course that would happen. Like, why would that not happen? Of course, because you are of the course, right? When we are truly aligned in our course and I don't know how else to explain it. It's a feeling you just know when you know, but when you're of the course, the magic happens. You're like, of course, of course. Yeah. Finally stopped giving a fuck. And I just did what I really wanted to do. And I said what I really wanted to say. Of course. I was like, I don't even care who likes this. And I felt because it was a different format too. I was like, people aren't even going to realize it's my post. Like, I don't even care. I just need to write this for me and put this out into the world. And then I, of course, that's, when I finally got to the point where I was like, I don't care about the numbers. Like I remember the week before, I think I had like around 30,000 followers at that point on Instagram. And I remember thinking, I was like, okay, I'll just serve these 30,000 people. Like that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Yeah. I was like, come on, you know, this is not nobody, you know, this is a, this is an arena of people sitting here. And I was like, so I'll just serve these people. Cause I had gotten kind of the numbers, the numbers, why are they not moving and this and that? And I was like, Jamie, no, this is not your, like the numbers are not going to give you a book deal. Cause that's what they had said with the rejection, with the rejections that I didn't have enough of a platform. And I was like, these, this industry and the numbers. And so I had gotten obsessed with maybe if I build my platform enough, yeah, I'll get the thing that's supposed to make me happy. You know, like, ah, oh, this book deal is going to make it all worth it, make me happy. And I'm investing all my suffering into it. And like, it'll feel so good when I get it. And then I just said, screw it. 
Like I'm done. I'm done with this. Like I, I actually was kind of in the place where I was like, I don't even care if I do a book. Like I, I'm just, I just want to, I'd be free. Like I'd rather be happy than be anything else. And that's when it all blew up. And when, by the way, is happiness not an achievement? When was happiness not success? What fucked up world do we live in that that is not our greatest benchmark? I have no idea. We got so far. I feel like we've just gotten so far off the mark. Like that was what, that was 2020's biggest teacher for me of kind of observing because obviously there's a lot of reactions, a lot of things that people were feeling about productivity and expectation and slowing down and all of this. And I was like, oh, we're not okay. This like is we're living. Yeah, like we're living like we're on fire all the time. 24-7. 24-7, like the amount. And I don't really feel as though I was living that way too much. It was more like as a writer, as a thinker, I was really observing human behavior and being like, oh God, like people were really, this is really happening. I mean, there's, there are people who are really having an extremely hard time slowing down and being able to sit with themselves and not have pressure to constantly be productive. And a lot of this, so that really helped inform a lot of things for me. But then I was like, wow. I mean, the fact that we're so far from like happiness and that kind of like, or that being able to find joy, like that seems like this really fleeting, silly thing. And yet it's like impossible for most people to even experience joy. Can we just pause for a second on that one? Because that that hits the core. I've been speaking about that a lot recently. I know you have written for Thought Catalog and I was reading a portion of Brianna Weist. Is that how I say it? Brianna Weist. So one of Brianna Weist's essays about this. um, And I just couldn't agree more that we have to practice joy. You have to practice choosing happiness. This is not a guaranteed thing, but honestly, in the same way that you without maybe realizing it, our practice feeling pain, you're practicing feeling ambition without joy. You're practicing feeling striving and not enoughness. You're consistently choosing those things. And so, yeah, it's going to take some time to like rewire and choose new behaviors, but they're all still completely possible to you. And of course, that's a part I want to get into today is this conversation that you've had about ambition with joy. Um, and you say challenge with presence. I just, there's so many yummy parts, but in case again, anyone was living under a rock and you haven't experienced it. Uh, do you mind? Can you read us? How about you don't have to build an empire? Okay. Do you mind reading it for us? I will. Okay. The post says, how about you don't have to build an empire or dominate an industry or be the number one at anything? What if you simply built a lovely life that makes you feel happy, that brings you joy, that is generative and supportive? What if you healed the parts of you that need more and more and more? What if you redefine what success looks and feels like to you? What if you decided enough is enough? What if you felt satisfied in the right here, the right now? What if you realized your life is likely a lot closer to your ideal than you ever thought? 
What if changing the filter in which you view your life makes everything that much more vibrant? How much open, empty space would be left for your joy if you stopped thinking you needed to earn it? How much time could you spend in the actual living of your life if you let go of striving for more? How much more beautiful would this moment right here become for you? Fuck. So good, right, y'all? Did, who who threw down a loofah? Let me know. <laughs> let me know in the DMs where in this episode did you throw your loofah down, your keys, your spatula, whatever the hell y'all are doing right now, and gave an amen to Jamie Varon. Uh, so yeah, this post, I don't. It changed the trajectory in the sense that it gave a context to something that I had been circling around, um, like back when I was. Back even in 2016, when I was thinking about writing a book, I had write, written about what would contentment and being satisfied actually be. And this was, that was part of the book proposal that got, um, that got rejected in 2019. And in the sense that people, the editors were saying like, people aren't ready for this. They don't, or they don't think like this. They don't want this. They don't want contentment. You know, they want Rachel Hollis more and more and more. You're made for more strive, strive, strive life, you know, go wash your face. Yeah. They want girl, wash your face that like, you know, white girl power. So, and then I, (laughs) and how did you feel about that hearing? Like they wanted a girl, wash your face. And Jamie Varon is not girl, wash your face. I am not girl, wash your face. I was just like, wow, I don't fit in. Like, that's how I felt. And then, so then I said, okay, whatever, I'm just gonna abandon this. Um, And then initially, the book was kind of about productivity, like not productivity in the traditional sense, but more like breaking down a new way of being productive. And I wanted to bring that because I was like, wow, if we could be productive, while also having joy, what would that look like? And then this post took off. And I reckon and I was like, Oh, no, like this is it. It's deeper than productivity. It's deeper than a how-to manual. It is deeper than this. It is deeper than even self-help. Like it's, it's not going to be able to be contextualized in that way. And so when I landed on the title for my book being, because I landed on the title before I started writing it, when I landed on the title Radically Content, it made so much more sense to me what this book was going to be because I felt like, first of all, those are usually opposing ideas, like a radical life with contentment. Usually contentment, you're like, that's boring. That's giving up. That's mediocrity. That's complacency. That's playing small. That's playing small. That's settling, you know? And I recognized, I was like, oh my God, we have this all wrong. Like we have this all wrong. We actually, what I had recognized for years that what I had been building was my foundation was contentment and everything else can sprout and grow and bloom from there. That is the baseline. I don't get to say, okay, once I get this book deal and this amount of money and this amount of followers and this amount of things, then I'll be good. That is a that is a target that is unreachable. It is a carrot that is always being thrust away from you. Like it'll never happen. And I started to recognize that like we don't have a 
expectation of productivity problem. We have a contentment problem. We have a problem thinking that our joy is out there, that our happiness, we have to earn it, that other people get it and we don't, that striving is what gets you into the life that's supposed to make you happy, as opposed to being like, wait a second, I got to, I got to be good here. (laughs) I got to be good right here. Like I got to be good without all the things because here's what I've recognized as things have started to really kind of, I've, uh, this year has been monumental in the sense of all the things that I've been manifesting and dreaming of and striving for, they have all come, started coming up. And even things I haven't even shared publicly. And I have recognized that you have to be able to receive your success and you have to be able to receive your blessings. And we have a really hard time receiving because we get to a certain milestone and we go, well, I wanted this, but not this doesn't feel the way I expect it to. It didn't fix me. It didn't heal me. It didn't do the thing. It doesn't make me suddenly believe in myself that I've been, you know, I got this thing. I got the new job. I got the new car. I got the thing. Why don't I feel happy yet? Where's my happiness? I did all the right things. I checked all the boxes. I checked all the boxes. And then I recognized that like being happy and being content, like cultivating that, actively cultivating happiness, joy, contentment, satisfaction. It doesn't make me complacent. It makes me motivated by true, genuine desire and joy instead of proving something to someone or striving to get something out there. And it makes me better able to receive what's coming my way from a place of true gratitude, not a gratitude list that I have to force myself to write, but an actual feeling of gratitude that pops up and stays with me and celebrating the things that are happening. So so that's why when I talk about what a big part of my book is about, Radically Content, it's not about like, go off the grid, do nothing. Like you're not Eckhart Tolle sitting on a bench. Like you have to live your life too. Like you've got rent to pay, you've got things to do. Yeah, we get it. Yeah, like you're not going to go in be a monk. (laughs) Just going to sound like you're not going to go into a cave, a silent retreat in a a monastery for five months. Like, no, you got to go to Target and pick up your kids (laughs) and pay rent. I get it. We get it. Jamie and I get it. We all got to go to Target. I mean, I got to go to Target Target later today. Here we go. (laughs) Exactly. So that's the thing. I never jived with any of that. I was like, cool. Yeah. I can like meditate for three hours or I don't have the time to do that. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, so I just really recognized that we needed something that was going to bring us to the present moment in a really powerful way, but also make space for our ambition and the things that we do truly want to do. Cause I, I recognized in 2020, there was on the shadow side of this kind of like awareness about productivity was also a sort of shame that started coming up of like, well, now we know that like the most important thing is to be with family and not what we do. And it's like, well, I mean, yes, but also 
that's been used against women to deny their ambition for so long that I'm like, but that's not, that's not the way we're going to go now. I just threw the loofah. I just <laughs> she freaked out. <laughs> the fucking loofah. Y'all, I can't, for the cheap seats in the back, Jamie Barron. Yes. That's what we started with the conversation that there are so many ways to birth things. Right. Motherhood does not get to own love, greatest joy, productivity, purpose. No, it can be one expression. Yeah. One expression. And it's a beautiful one, but it's not the only one that women get to feel in this world. And your words are medicine, Jamie. And they're worthy as much as like a little cute squish with a matching mommy and me target outfit, whatever, whatever your shit is like, like my words, my writing is as alive to me yes, as anything else. And if I start shaming myself and saying, well, I should be doing this or I shouldn't be spending this much time or, you know, uh, like, should I be doing a book because it's taking away from, from what? Like, I don't, this, this matters to me. And so that was what I was trying to make so much space for was like, how does this all get to matter? Like, I can't put my happiness on hold for the future external circumstances to show up and give me permission to like my life and myself. Can't do that. Can't waste any more time doing that. Oh, no. But also, I can't do the thing where I say, life is just like being with people you love. And I love my people. But it's also, there are other fulfilling things. And so we never say that to men. We always say that to women. And we're always trying to tell women what's important, what's supposed to be important. Jamie fucking Baron, yes. We're always fucking prescribing shit in lists. And then we Ugh. sell you how to manage those lists at Target, right? Speaking of Target, like, then here's your productivity journal and your gratitude journal and your hope journal. Fucking fuck balls. Like, and you know what? We don't sell that shit to dudes. No. We don't tell them that they need to accomplish X, Y, and Z. And here's how to do it. And here's the 10 steps to it. And then let's make you feel like shit when you don't do it, because here's the journal that you never actually completed that you feel bad about now because you didn't spend your five minutes in your gratitude journal. Like, are you fucking kidding me? No, it's madness. It's madness. That's I'm, why not, available. Think, I'm no, not available. I'm not available. No, I mean, that's why... I think my writing resonates on a different level for people. Like I've noticed because my intention is I refuse to talk down to women. I refuse to assume they're not smart or deep or have agency or who can think for them fucking selves. Like I'm not going to disempower women and tell you, Oh, you know, I know life is so hard for us. And you know, like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to assume that we're like, we're smart, intelligent, capable people. Cause we fucking are. And I'm going to talk to you as if I believe in you. And I believe that, you know, the answers don't come to me. I'm not a guru. I'm not your, I, I'm not a, a, telling you what to do. I'm giving you the tools so that, you know, that it's all within you. Like it gives you permission to love what you love, do what you love. Like 
foster your dreams, foster your hopes, foster all these things. Like, I don't want to sell something that just doesn't speak to the power that is women. Like, sometimes I read stuff. I don't, not going to call anybody out, but like, sometimes I read things, especially really popular things. And I'm like, do you hate women? <laughs> like, not from men, like from women. I'm like, do you hate us? Like, do you think this low of us that you have to talk to us like this? Yeah, like you think this dumb? I think what you're speaking about is how I would internalize what divine feminine leadership means. And for me, again, not a Jamie Varen word, but definitely an Abby Gibb word. (laughs) We've been sold a bag of dicks when it comes to speaking our truth, writing, speaking in general. And I'll give you one example. So in so many ways, I was just talking to my mom about this yesterday. I get fired up because we have seen that most of the entrepreneurs that are coming out in America in the last three years identify as women, queer, non-binary, okay? The days of Chad and Brad are slowly changing. Having said that, it's estimated that almost 100%, but I think it's like 92%, something like that. Uh, will not make more than six figures in their business. And first of all, is it because their business sucks? I don't think so. Is it because they can't be good leaders? No, I don't think that either. I think first off, we treat women and their businesses and even in their work and their words and all these pieces as a hobby, as a side business, a cute little something. Oh, it's your passion project. Mm -hmm. Where we would never use, we've never used those words with men. And so we immediately disempower from the moment that they go. And then on top of it, the way that I hear consistently women come to me and say, I feel icky selling. I don't feel, I don't feel authentic. I don't want to have to share this book and like tell everyone about it all the time because I'm boastful or what have you. Again, words and things that I never hear from my male clients, only women. And I think it's because we've been sold this idea of no like and trust which is what I think you were saying, Jamie, it's what I was hearing, which is when we say no like, and trust, really that has everything to do with the speaker or the writer or the business person and not the customer, the audience, the listener. It's all about, you need to know who I am. You need to trust me. I have something you don't have that you're lacking that you don't get or a big pain point or a big problem. And I'm gonna sell you on what you're missing. And that I have the thing that's going to fix you versus in divine feminine leadership, which has nothing to do with gender, in my opinion, everything with just energy. It's saying you don't have anything missing and I'm not your guru, (laughs) but here's what I'll do. I will light myself up enough. I will be brave enough to shine so brightly that I will remind you about your own. Do I want you to be just like me? Fuck no. Am I a mirror to your own greatness? Yes. So I light up so that you light up. Fantastic. Take what you want from it. Don't like what you don't like. That's fine. We're all going to be better off anyway. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> I, feel, I feel so passionate about having you on this podcast for that reason. Yes, I fangirl you. I love your shit. I think it's fucking rad. But from the very beginning, you never stoop to the lowest common denominator. I've watched you consistently have content that speaks to core fundamental emotion and truths about humans. And I, and then letting each of us learn and grow on in our own journey, not 
here's my 10 steps and I'm going to prescribe you something that you're missing. We're not that dumb. No, no. And I, I thank you for saying that. I mean, that means a lot to me that you recognize that and acknowledge that because it's yeah. a nuance that like really, I think what has actually been kind of tricky about this is that, I mean, I think that has led to like, when you don't play the common denominator, you grow a little slower. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, I still, there are people that have come up at the same time as me that are definitely in the metrics way doing are, are much more visible in that sense. Um, because I think that they do kind of, you know, like they speak to that baseline of, I don't know how to put it. You just know, you just know when you're like, they're speaking not to the most intelligent part of yourself, but more like speaking that down to you. And I think this has been, you know, part of what I'm seeing come to fruition right now is the fact that I have stuck with my integrity through that because it has never been about being successful for success's sake or just to prove something or just to show that I'm good enough finally. I mean, it, I thought that it was about that for some time, but recognizing now that it's never been about that, that there, I actually have a true heart for this and purpose. Like I felt so drained when I was trying to be everybody's answer to everything. I, I used to have my messages open on my Facebook page and I had to close them because I was like, I am not, I don't have answers. Like there, I'm not a coach for a reason. Like I don't, I'm not this your is therapist, not, like I'm not your therapist. I'm not your life coach. I'm not, I, I mean, that kind of thing really is not my jam. I, I, I love people who do that, but like, it's not my thing. And so when I was trying to do that, I, I couldn't, I couldn't sustain it. And now every time I write something and there are points where I'm like, maybe I should take this word out, use an easier word, use the use. And I'm like, no, like this is, we need to be talked up to. Yes. Like, this is, we're done. I mean, even what you were talking about with like, you know, the, the female, the businesses and all of that. I mean, look at the word imposter syndrome. You would never think of a man. It is a gendered word. Yes. It's a gendered term. And yes, it might be that we feel it, but also some of these things, I also think that like we might feel it, but we really identify with it when it becomes too commonplace. Like that, and that's become like an identity. Like I have imposter syndrome. Yes. Or I am another one, a recovering perfectionist. I'm yeah. like, that's a trauma response. I don't actually think that you are a people pleaser. Uh, I don't actually think that exists in this world. Or like, I also think that we really, uh, women are taught, which is just a beautiful mechanism for patriarchy, um, is that women are taught that it's all their fault when it's actually a societal thing. I'm like, gosh, that's brilliant. Like blame it on the person that yeah. they can't seem to get past these things when it's like, it's the roadblocks you put in. Yeah, it's it is literally being in an emotionally abusive relationship with yourself, right? <laughs> set up it's by, yeah, set up by your abuser of patriarchy and capitalism, both 
which is why I have to say, I'm so grateful that you didn't create a book about productivity. How can we take on the onus as women to shrink and contort and figure out the way that within this capitalistic society built for chads and brads, we can still find the time and shine. Like I'm not available for that conversation anymore. If one thing in 2020 taught me, I'm not available to that conversation. And I'm so grateful that you were blessed with the redirection because it wasn't rejection. And I'm just grateful because we need more voices like yours. I don't need another fucking hack, productivity, trick, 10 step, any, I don't need it. Also, what's really funny about this is like women are so hard on themselves that they don't even realize like, you're already doing a lot. Yeah. Like it's less about doing more and how to get more and how to thrive within a system. It's like, I'm all about like make, let like my work of activism is less overt and much more subtle in the sense that I'm like, I want everyone to be so fucking free that this world cannot control them. Like that's my activism that like, you don't, you don't have to be within this system or my system or my idea or my ideals or anything. You create it for yourself. Like the radically content book and lifestyle, I wanted it to feel like a movement. The radically content movement of my book is like, you decide, you figure out your values, you figure out what it is that's important to you. And you figure it out. You don't, don't do more just for the sake of doing more. Like do less, do less and do it, do it more intentionally, like do it with more ease, do it with more joy. Like, what are we, what are we frantic about? Like if, because when we stop, that's what everyone was talking about in 2020. It's like, they stopped and they were like, why am I doing all of this? And I'm like, yeah, why? Why? Let's talk about it. And, and maybe not pick it back up. Right. Like, let's not pick it back up. That's okay. Let's wake up to our lives. Like my, I guess my whole thing is really less about how to lean in and a system and do all this and more like how to be alive to your life while it's there. Yeah. You know, like be present, but not in the stupid overuse of being present of like actually being alive to like the different emotions that come up, like the different things that when you're scrolling something, something that feels uncomfortable. And you look at that instead of being like, let me distract, scroll more. Let me feel bad about myself. Let me do this. Like, I believe that we're a lot stronger and a lot more capable and a lot more aware than we give ourselves credit for. And I mean that about everybody, but mostly about women. And I just think we've been constantly disempowered and told that we can't do this, or we need permission to do this, or we're doing it the wrong way, or we do we have to do it this way. And everything that I do, I mean, even my book, these, and even my course, like these things feel as though they could be very prescriptive, but I have so intentionally made them be like, by the end of it, you're going to be like, damn, I'm amazing. Like I can do anything I want. Like that's my goal on anything is like, anytime you interact with my work, I hope you walk away. Like I'm a actually amazing and I'm like yeah "Yeah, you are let me reflect that back to you because like we don't get told that enough we get told 
like little pats on the head. Like you're doing great, you know, this kind of like patronizing thing, but we don't get told like the real shit, you know, that I think like, we're just, I, I, that's something that I noticed. I mean, they tell you do the work in the world that you want to see. And I was like, I guess that it, it felt a little bit like a burden for a while. And then now it feels like, okay, this is what I was meant to do. And doesn't that feel so fucking good? I can see it on your face. It feels so good. It feels so good to not battle with myself and like to not, and to not diminish my importance, but also not over identify with my importance at all. It's like this weird balance. Yeah. Yes. That is the full body fuck. Yes, though. That's it, dude. That's it. Oh, it's such a joy to have you on this show. How can people find out more about you? The book is coming out. You've got a bomb ass course. I got a lot going on. Um, Everything. I mean, where I'm most active is Instagram at Jamie Varen. I'm also on Twitter. Have all my stuff is on Facebook. Uh, Radicallycontent.com is where you can pre-order the book in a bunch of different places. Um, JamieVarin.com. And my course is Live With Intention. So it's all linked everywhere. So we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. That's that's where I'm at. The thing I would love is as this incredible community of listeners, I would love for you to shoot an Instagram story or send us a DM or both, please, uh, letting us know how this landed, what part of Jamie's brilliant words today landed in your heart um, and blow her up because everyone deserves to know her work. Your words are real medicine. Jamie, thank you for being here. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Full Body Fuck Yes podcast with me, Abby Gibb. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And it would mean the world if you leave a review so others know how kick-ass these episodes are. And I'm a real person over on Instagram. So tag me in an IG story at Abby Gibb and let me know what landed in your heart the most today. Thanks again for listening.